We're talking about growth today. Everybody loves growth, don't you? It's the best. Growth is the best. I love growth because it does something so powerful in us. And I hope this morning uh, the joy in the growth journey infuses deeper in all of us. That's what I'm praying for. So I'm ready for it. But let's recap really quick because we've covered a lot of ground in this series, Glory to Glory. Haven't we? We started way back when on the mission. Do you guys remember it? If you get lost, our teams have it written on the back. You can cheat. What is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is our center. People, our aim and passion is our approach. Good job, y'all. We're winning already this morning. So that is the mission. That's what we're after here at Movement Church. Then we dropped into our value series. We've got six of them. That's not, that's six. I'm like, that's three plus three is six. And we've been having so much fun learning about these. The first one, you remember it? Worship. Way back when, like, turn on your brains a little bit. Worship is our mandate, right? Worship is the foundation of everything that we do. As worshipers, we live from a place of worship. We can't separate, right? Week two, we covered biblical truth is our foundation, right? I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Bible, that's where you're supposed to yell Bible. That's a song I sang when I was a kid. And it, every time we talk about biblical truth is our foundation, that plays on repeat. And all those childhood songs were so great. They're still in there. Good job, parents. Getting me in church from a young age. But that biblical truth is guiding us, right? It's our foundation. We can't separate from it. And we're not choosing our truth, right? This is the absolute truth of God that is set. Some of it we may not understand or like at points, but we're going to lean into it and follow it. Amen? Amen. Week three, we talked about generosity is our privilege. Remember, generosity sits on top of that 10%, and it's everything that we do with the 90, right? Oaxaca is an opportunity to move in generosity because we've been given enough. Therefore, we get to just give abundantly because we're not afraid of lack. Last week, we hit number four. You remember it? Kingdom is our calling. Together as a family, the corporate calling is to see the coming of the ultimate and eternal rule of God in the universe. And we get to participate in that. And this week, as we talk about growth, that is just one way that we get to participate in kingdom is our calling. We can't separate the two, right? I can't live kingdom is my calling and never grow. But here's the thing. I think growth right now in church is one of the most underrated things that we have. Because we don't like it all the time. Because you know what growth says? Change. Be better. Exercise self-control. Stop being stubborn. Stop making it about you. Right? I don't always want to hear that. But that's what growth is pressing on. And so for us, growth can be uncomfortable sometimes. Because it's asking something of us. It's requiring something of us. And we want to live in comfort land where no one challenges the decisions I'm making. But is that going to lead us to living kingdom is our calling? No. So growth is a choice. That's why it's growth is our choice. 
Because every day we get to wake up and say, I'm going to pursue growth towards the things of the kingdom, my identity that God paid such a high price for, or I'm going to grow toward the identity that the world wants to put on me, the life that they want to shove. There's no stagnancy in growth. You're moving one direction or the other. You can't, I'm just holding the line. Actually, you're probably moving that way, away from the line, right? So growth is our choice, and as a family, we get to choose every day to lean into growth. Is that sounding okay? All right, so let's break this down. Growth is our choice. I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a believer during when Hitler was causing a muck in Europe, and he stayed so faithful, literally to the point, if you've never heard of this guy, there's stuff everywhere on him. It's great. He's got several amazing books. He was literally imprisoned at a concentration camp ministering the truth of Jesus to the German guards. That's who we're talking about. This guy knew what obedience in the midst of suffering looked like. He understood it. He died in one of those concentration camps. I think it was like three days before they all got rescued out, which is mind-blowing. But this guy stayed so faithful, and he has a quote. It says, the response of the disciples is an act of obedience, not a confession of faith in Jesus. The response of the disciples is an act of obedience, not a confession of faith in Jesus. We've whittled down the gospel message to just pray this prayer, check the box, you're good. Instead of saying salvation is step one in this pursuit of this new life that God has given you, and it's going to kickstart a change, a life of transformation that is going to be so good. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be worth it. You think you're laying down and sacrificing so much, but do you realize what you're beholding on the other side of that? Do you realize what you're laying down? Sure. Might feel like I'm losing everything, but what you're gaining in Christ is actually who who you were created to be. And there's so much joy in that. That's why I get so excited about growth. Because when we realize that this growth journey, there's, there's joy and there's hope and there's life on the other side of it, I go, okay, this might hurt a little bit, but let's do it. Because I want what's on the other side, right? So we can't cheapen the gospel message to just a prayer, to just a moment. It's an entry point, right? That is a part, that salvation moment is a part that drops us into this life pursuit of growth and transformation. So, but where does it begin? When we talk about growth, growth has to start with identity. It has to be the core piece where we launch from. Why? Because we behave out of the identity that we carry, the things of who we think we are. So it's a a non-spiritual one. If I identify as a reader, right? I am a reader. That's an identity statement. I am. Therefore, what am I going to do? Read. If I think, if I believe that my identity is an angry, bitter person and something happens, what am I going to do? 
be angry, be bitter. But if I understand the identity that I have, that I'm carrying, that I'm a new creation filled with hope and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. Did I miss any? Probably did somewhere. Peace, I don't know. There's a lot of them. If I'm filled with all those things, what's going to happen? I'm going to live that. We behave out of the identity that we carry. So when we say we're pursuing growth, we have to understand our destination. Because if I don't know where I'm going, can you imagine getting in your car and going, well, I don't really know where I'm going. Don't do that now. Gas prices, hey. (laughs) All that driving around and processing that I used to do, nope. Girl, use your feet, right? Go for a walk. But here, right? Like, if I get in my car and I'm like, I don't know where I want to go. I'm going to go in circles. I'm going to backtrack, right? The same thing with our identity. If I wake up and I'm like, well, today I should be this. Tomorrow I should be that. Next day I should be this. What am I doing? I'm going in circles and I'm not moving forward with momentum. So when we understand and we're looking toward where we're going, where you want to go, you're going to move that direction. You know when you're driving and you're turning right, which direction do you look? Left. No. You look to the right. Because you're going to move in the direction that you're looking. So as a new creation, if I'm looking behind me, going, man, Pre-Jesus, man, she was a hot mess. Ten years ago, loved Jesus, but, man, I was not making good choices. Right? Four days ago, man, I got mad, and I, I acted in anger. And all I'm looking is backward. Where am I going to end up? Back there. But if I'm leaning in and going, okay, This is the identity that Jesus paid such a high price for, and I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to tell you something. The church, I love the church, but we have pendulum swung out of this kind of condemnation message, like turn or burn, right? That was a big thing, and we've pendulum swung to, it's all grace. We've pendulum swung. And an overdeveloped sense of grace is going to stunt growth, right? So grace, like, is so beautiful. But when all we do is sit and, well, you know, grace covers that. That's okay. You're just in process. And it stops there. We're not going to grow. But what if? As a family, we said, thank you, Jesus, for grace that covers this mistake that I just made. I turn, I repent, I apologize for behaving this way, for making this decision. Lord, I know that you've put in me the spirit that is going to stir up hope and growth and progress. I'm going to grab hold of the identity piece that I didn't understand. Therefore, I behaved wrong. I'm going to grab hold of this identity piece and I'm going to live it moving forward. Do you see the difference? One says grace is going to cover this and it helped me to move forward. The other says it's okay, just stay where you are because grace. I love Romans 6 for this. Paul, this guy. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Well then, 
Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. In, in my heart version, the one I grew up on, certainly not. I don't know why I hear it in an accent every time, but I do. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Since we have died to sin. So here's, here's where things get a little like brain twisty and crazy. Eternity is, right? This big eternity. God is eternal. He sits outside of time. We sit inside time. That is linear, linearary, lin thank you, linear, hallelujah, praise. You know when you drink too much coffee and your brain goes too fast? It's where I'm at. Time, here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Time is linear. We're walking it out. Eternity is. And these happen at the same time. So when I get saved, my eternal reality changed in a moment. It's why scripture can say you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Because that is our eternal reality. And it is right now. So if you've said yes to Jesus, your eternal reality is a new creation. But what do we know about living in time? I'm walking out this step-by-step -step process where every day I'm choosing to move one step closer to that eternal reality. This is another opportunity to pull heaven to earth, like we talked about last week. I get to pull heaven down every time I behave in love and not anger. I get to pull heaven down every time I choose purity. I get to pull heaven down every time I, I choose to speak a word of hope over someone instead of partner with gossip. That's what we get to do. But we're walking it out in time. So when... When we look at that eternal reality, we can say, if it's not in Christ, it's not in me. And I'm going to lean in and live that every day. I'm going to press with expectation to live that, right? So how do, we, how do we lean deeper into identity? If our growth has to start with this identity piece, what's the first thing we need to do? Look at Jesus, Stop looking at anything else that is taking your identity in a different direction, right? If we want to move towards this identity and he is the one who carries it, because I'm going to tell you, if you're in Christ, you're seated in heavenly places with him, in him, this is where you are. So look at him, the one who is carrying the fullness of identity, and we need to learn about it. In your notes today in the app, I put some uh, sections of scripture where you can begin, to learn about your identity. This isn't a message on identity. This is about growth, but this is a big piece of it. So I want to give you some tools to start. Go to those chapters, read them over and over and over and over again. Live in them. Because that's where identity begins. Learn about who God created you to be. And then the other piece of this is to raise your expectation. Do you believe that today... You can behold your identity as a new creation more than you did yesterday. Everybody say yes. Yes, amen. Yes, we can. Right? We 
can carry the identity of God right now here today that he paid such a high price for. One step at a time, we get to choose growth in our identity. Is this making sense? Beautiful. Second thing, growth. So growth starts with identity. Growth thrives in community. Growth is going to thrive in community. I love this African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Right? If I pack up just me and myself, I can take off really quick and I can move really quickly. But I'm probably not going to get as far as I can if we all go together. Because there's strength when we're together. I love this Ecclesiastes 4.10 verse. If one person falls... The other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Sometimes we don't even realize we've fallen. That's just real. But if someone's next to you, they're like, what? You okay? There's strength in numbers, guys. To grab hold of community is such an important piece. Do you remember as kids playing with siblings or friends, and you'd, like, egg each other on? Like, let's see how fast we can run to that car and back. I bet I can beat you. Youngest child, I was like, psh, I got this. Normally, I was the one that ended up face-planting because I was running as hard as I possibly could. Right? Little legs. That's what happens. But... That encouragement, that press of being together, can you imagine as a community if we egged each other on to behold the identity that God has deposited in each of us? Do you know what that sounds like? That sounds like, man, you can completely step into your workplace today with joy. Hey, you can show up for that family dinner and not be all angry and bitter about all the things that happened all the way through. You can show up and move with love. You can go home today and not yell at your spouse or your friends or your roommates or, right? You can live in peace. You can live at rest. Hey, I bet this is possible for you. First Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. We do this as a family. I see it happen all the time. I love, I'm so an eavesdropper. When I hear conversations, I just, with big ears, walk really slow next to it. Right? This community is so beautiful. We walk around on a Sunday, and I just look out, and I'm like, man, people are praying for each other. People are encouraging each other. The text threads of just, you've got this. I believe in you. Encouragement, prayer. Guys, this house lives this. We live it. But here's the press part about vulnerability. Uh, about community is that it requires vulnerability. It absolutely requires it. There's a verse in Proverbs 27, 17 that says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Can iron sharpen iron when it's separate? Like, trying to sharpen iron. Nope. What it, it has to come in contact with. Iron has to touch iron, and then the sharpening happens. So we have to live life on life with each other. We can't separate that out. But here's what we do. 
We do a thing called post-vulnerability that isn't actually vulnerability. It's after I get through a really hard moment and after I'm through it and there's like a little bit of victory and I like did it, I'm going to tell you, man, that was really hard. I had a hard six months. You know, last week when I was like freaking out, I was really going through it. But I'm good now. Everything's fine. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is, man, I am in the middle of a storm and I need someone to speak life and hope and truth. I need someone to call me out on my crazy. How many conversations do I start with my friends? I'm like, okay, tell me if I'm just being like absolutely insane. Da, 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 da. Because I need it in the moment, right? If you go to battle with a sword that's not sharpened, and then you get to the other side of the bat and you're like, no, let's iron, sharpen iron. It doesn't help in the moment. We have community, a strong community of people. We have to engage. So growth starts with identity. It's going to thrive in community. But we also need to understand that we cannot accomplish anything outside of God. None of it. We might be able to, for, have you ever tried to do something on your own? Successful for maybe a little bit. And then how quickly do you just slowly get back to everything that you used to do? I can will myself for probably like four to 10 days. That's all I've got. Because outside of the power and presence of God, I'm not going to get anything done. I love John 15, 5 says, yes, I am the vine. Jesus is talking. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing is done outside of him. Our growth can't be done on our own strength and ability. Therefore, growth gains momentum with Holy Spirit. It's going to gain so much momentum when I'm not just trying to do it on my own, in my own strength. It's not going to work. I love in Zechariah, uh, the people of God are trying to rebuild the temple. Right? They're trying to get stuff done. And the word of the Lord comes, and it's, it's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven and armies. And that not by force, not by strength is like ability and skill and talent. He's like, yeah, you're going to build walls and things. Sure, you might be a carpenter, but do you realize that it's me? That it's by my spirit? Every breath we take is from him, whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. Every ounce of it, and it, the reinforcement of that, right? Remember that John 5, John 15, 5 verse? For apart from me, you can do nothing. But do you want to know the most beautiful part about all of this? God's not like, hey, you can't accomplish anything by yourself, so, but good luck. What does he do? He fills us with his spirit. And he says, hey, you've got everything you need to move in a place of growth. And so all we have to do, children of God, is yield, submit, surrender, give up control, guys. Have you ever tried to lay in a hammock, like super stiff? And you're like, 
right? It's a little scary. And what do you have to do at a point? You just got to give in and lay back and trust that that hammock has got you. Because if you don't, if you like stiff as a board, try and get in a hammock, what are you going to do? You're going to flip over the other side. How many times in our faith are we like, I got it. I'm handling it. God's like, oh my gosh, just yield a little bit. Just let me have access. Let me step into the midst of this. I believe a lot of the tension that we feel within ourselves is because we are living at odds with Holy Spirit that's within us. That anxiety, that depression, that uncomfortableness that happens within us. Have you ever felt that? I have. And almost always, it's because I'm pressing back with what Holy Spirit wants to do within me. That inner turmoil is because I have not yielded to him in a specific area. We feel that tension sometimes, but here's the thing. When we yield, it completely changes the game. And we will be learning this in deeper layers for a really long time. So I was at a retreat. I took a vacation a month and a half ago or so. And I went to this retreat. It was an identity week because we always need a little more identity. And I was stoked. It was super small, like 13 people, so intimate, absolutely beautiful. And in Scotland, it's rough. Suffering over here for Jesus. And during the week, the, the main leader of it pressed on my expectation of my identity. She pressed on it. We're living in these identity chapters, and it was just so, so beautiful. And we got to about day four, and the verse... Romans 12, 2. Can you guys put up the New King James version of this? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is that the right one? Yes. Okay, good. I've got a plan. That was in my head the whole time. I'm like, oh, this is what's happening at this retreat, I'm being transformed. Look at me, I showed up, I went to this retreat, getting it done, absorbing that identity. We get to day four and the leader says, let's do a time of soaking, which is essentially like meditation. You just kind of lay back and lean into. It's not the meditation of the world that says empty yourself. It's biblical meditation that is a complete filling of everything that is God. So we can meditate on scripture, we can meditate on his nature, Uh, We can just engage with his presence at any time. So we're doing this. We're soaking. And so I get all settled on the ground, lay down. She turns on some instrumental music. And immediately I feel the weight of God just on my head. I can move my fingers and my toes, but just on my head as I'm laying there. After a slight moment of panic that something medical was going on, (laughs) Jesus was like, honey, that's me. I'm like, okay, everything's fine then. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to lean into this. What's happening? What's going on in this moment? And he says, this is what happens when you let me renew your mind. So I'm lying there. I'm like, all right, well, okay, Holy Spirit, have your way. I give you access. Let's do this. I want what you have to do in my mind for sure. 
And I began to feel in the back of my head, right? Our brains have like things that fire, pew, pew, all the time, pew, pew, in our brain. I could feel it. You don't normally feel that. And in that moment, I was like, I feel that going on. That's different. Cool. So I'm like, Lord, I I yield to this. Let's go. Handle it. But then I began to have this dialogue with him going, why have I never felt this type of encounter before with you? I was like, is it because I didn't give you access? Yeah. And I'm laying there going, okay, I'm so sorry. Like, where did I go wrong? Where did I get off track in this? And he brought me back to this verse, and I realized I took renew your mind on my shoulders. It's my job to renew my mind. It's my job to take those thoughts captive and run after them and grab them and put them back in submission. Right? Which I was doing, not super efficiently. Little steps of progress. So this encounter keeps going on. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Firing all that. I get up. I don't necessarily feel super different. But over the last handful of weeks, moments have happened where I can cognitively remember how I could have and would have responded. And there's no power connection to it. So something that would frustrate me, I'm like, oh, I'm totally okay with this. Something that would send me spiraling for a few days, I'm like, oh, well, let's, let's just see what God wants to do in it. Right? That encounter changed my mind. Why? Because I yielded to Holy Spirit. So I got home from this retreat and I was like, so I want to understand this verse in a new way because I just had an encounter that is changing my belief and I want to understand what's going on. So I started looking at different translations. This is the NLT of that same verse. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Guys, I made that shift. God now gets to have access to change the way I think. And then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Have we let God have access to renew our minds, to get all up in that space and heal and restore and fix To get in my brain and pew, pew, the things of the Lord, right? I want to carry the mind of Christ. I'm going to let him have access to that space. That's what we need to do. We can't do this on our own. We can't pursue and understand our identity by ourselves. We can't engage in community with vulnerability by ourselves. Well, I mean, we could, but it's not going to go well. And I have a belief, I have an expectation that for us today as a house, that we're going to give him a little different access to those spaces of our brain. So I want to take, we've got a couple more minutes um, to just invite Holy Spirit. So wherever you are, you can get comfortable, get lean back, get cozy. You can come up to the altar. You can stand whatever posture to receive right now. Um, If closing your eyes helps, it helps me focus. And together, we're going to say out loud, we're going to break that nervous barrier. Let's say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to have access to my mind, to my thoughts, to the places of trauma, 
to the places of brokenness, to the places that aren't in submission to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, right now I, I call every distraction to leave right now. The things that are taking people's minds away from what you're doing. Papa, I thank you for speaking to minds and hearts today. Trust that this is the voice of God speaking. Maybe you've never heard his voice before, but right now he's speaking to your heart. I hear him saying that there's um, like memories popping up for some of you of moments that have happened in your life. And he's saying, it's okay, let it go. It's okay to not let this rule your future anymore. It's okay, let it go. We give you room, Holy Spirit, come, renew our minds. Come have access. Yeah, ministry team, feel free to move around the room. So if someone lays hands on you, don't, don't freak out. They're just coming into agreement with what God is doing. Thank you for, for the hearts that you're touching right now, the freedom that you're bringing. I see him stripping away doubt right now. Doubt wants to come in and say, this isn't the presence of God moving, but it is. him exchanging frustration for expectation even if you're sitting right now frustrated like I'm not hearing anything I'm not sensing anything he's exchanging that right now in your heart no longer frustrated that you can't connect to God but sitting in expectation absolute expectation that he can move he'll move for you you matter enough for him to come and meet you. 
uh, I'm hearing someone has said the words, he's got a lot on his plate, I don't wanna bother him. You're not a bother to your papa, to your dad. You don't disrupt his day, you're not a distraction. You're part of what he wants to do. Right now I speak in access, I feel a special, touch right now for the men in this room to be a child again at the feet of the father to put down the burdens that this world wants to lay on you to be to do to provide to carry wisdom you get to be a kid at his feet again And collectively as a room, we celebrate and we are thankful for what you can do, Lord, in our lives and our minds. We're so thankful that there is space for us to pause. I want to encourage you this week, take time to do this, to just sit and say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and renew my mind. If you've got two minutes in your car, take that time. At the end of the day, before you go to sleep, Holy Spirit, come and renew my mind. I choose not to carry bitterness and frustration on the day. I choose to lay it all down. I choose to let you renew my mind right now on everything that happened today. And go to bed free. Go to bed without worry. Yeah. Thank you for the freedom of this moment. We are thankful for it. Father, we celebrate as a family that you join us on this growth journey. And we say, yes, we yield to you more and more and more and more every day. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen.